Hello and welcome to the Black Love Project's Black History Month annual series of intimate conversations on topics that bond us. My name is Joy Francis and I'm co-founder of the Black Love Project and executive director of Words of Colour. Today I will be talking all things singlehood with the wonderful Ola Awanubi. Ola has an MA in creative writing and imaginative practice and in 2008 her short story, The Pink House, won first prize in the Words of Colour National Short Story Writing Competition. A year later, she won the prize in the fiction category for Wassa Fairy's new writing prize with The Ghost Slow Journey and the best author for the CA Awards in 2019. She has written a total of six books, including 14 Days and Other Stories, a romance novella, and Reasons Why I Need to Get Married, Yesterday, and other poems. And her latest book, Lovers, Leavers and Keepers, is her first Christian novel. Her current historical fiction manuscript is with her new publishers. And so I think we're well equipped to have this conversation. So, um, Ola, great to see you. Thank you very much, Joy. I'm really glad to be here. Well, listen, I, I think, I don't know, I, hopefully we got the... Um, we haven't got the short straw in terms of discussing singlehood or maybe that's how a lot of the time society would be led to believe that's how we need to look at it being single women mm-hmm. and especially in our 50s and for those who are not sure what we're going to be discussing the whole purpose of doing this uh, uh, conversation co-curated conversation series is to in our case explore um, singlehood and the fact that Ola and I challenge culture and societal expectations by not only being single but we're unmarried and we're non-parents and we're in our <clears throat> mid-50s um so, <laughs> um so yeah i i and i'm of jamaican heritage ola you are of nigerian yes heritage yeah. i mean i think that's going to have a part to play in our discussion but i think you know the first thing i want to sort of ask you is around um just the term singlehood and what that throws up for you does it make you bristle I mean what does it does it throw up, throw up for you that term when I was younger I it was something that I had been felt to feel ashamed about um I took I felt as if that was a weight around my shoulders but as I got older and I began to find myself I found out that that was not something I needed to be ashamed about anymore that it, Life is like part of a journey. And for this particular point in time in my my life, I'm single. It's not necessarily a label. Um, But judging from the culture that I come from, that would be a label, which is used to describe you. It's quite interesting. When you say the culture you come from, can you say a bit more about that? My parents uh, came over from Nigeria in the 60s, Commonwealth students. And um, they are from the western part of Nigeria, um, Yoruba. And in that culture, like in so many other cultures as well, um, uh, marriage and childhood and having children is something that's much most pride and emulated. And that is seen as a norm. Anything that depends on the norm would be seen as abnormal. And you will be... By acts of omission or commission in that particular society treated as being different and you that might be something difficult for you to deal with as you get as you if you're young 
but as you get older, you develop coping mechanisms. Um, sometimes good ones and bad ones, and basically dealing with that. It's quite interesting because I thought, you know, singlehood, you know, came to mind in terms of how I wanted to describe, you know, this conversation. And when I looked it up, because I've never looked it up, you know, I, I, you know, explore it, talk about it with my friends, you know, who were single or otherwise. And it's the state of being unmarried. That was the long term, I think the longest sort of definition, uh, longest standing definition of it. Um, now, most people use it to refer to people who are not in long term relationships or individuals choosing not to enter into a relationship based on their choice or past experiences of relationships. Mm. And, you know, I find again, all of those, I'm like, mm, yeah, you know, where does where do they sit with me? And I just think <laughs> the black woman version, <laughs> I've not met, you know, I've not met someone who has enticed me into leaving singlehood, you yeah. know, um, and I think that there's also this sort of um, unsaid or tacit, I think, view that you, in my case, you know, I'm straight, you know, a cis female, um, and I'm interested in men. So yeah. that, you know, I'm not interested in a long-term relationship. You know, I think that there's, there is that belief. Um, and, or if you're single, I remember when I was younger, um, when my friends were dating at school, you know, the priority in my house growing up in a Jamaican household was that you do your schoolwork, you get to see the world, you find out about yourself, but the key, and you don't have sex or bring any boys in the house, right? And I didn't even grow up in you know, a religious household necessarily. You went to church, but it was out of choice. You know, my mom wanted me to have some sort of grounding in yeah. morals, but, you know, I was given the choice you know, yeah. to go to church on what church I wanted to go to. So she took me to Jehovah's Witness, Catholic, <laughs> until I said, oh, this looks like fun, you know, Baptist church, and that was it, you know. But the thing is that um, it was always clear, you know, I think to me, and I think a lot of the my friends at the time, they didn't just want boyfriends, yeah. you know, they wanted a partner. Yeah. And I mean, we're talking about, you know, the 1970s, I was born in the, you know, the mid 60s. Yeah. And... So I think it's much more complex than we're even allowed to understand it in that yeah. way, you know. Um, and I, but I do think it wasn't, unlike some of my white friends at the time, it wasn't prioritised, you know, to have a boyfriend and get married. You know, it wasn't. It was the education, the education and being able to travel and being able to be self-sufficient. That, yeah. that was a narrative, you know. I mean, because you, you're a Christian, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, is that a faith you grew up in? That's that's a faith I that's a faith I grew up with. My parents were um, my mum still is my dad's late. Uh, what we they used to take us to the Anglican church. I much preferred when we were younger to probably just stay at home and watch Soul Train, which was on at the time. But <laughs> <laughs> drag us off to church and sing hymns, which just didn't really, you know. It's not really something that we wanted to do. But when I got into my 20s, I, I, I look, decided to take my faith more seriously and become more of a, a, a practicing Christian, take my faith more seriously. And part of that is obviously you would want to get married and settle down. And then the whole thing about you know, um, having relationships outside that particular framework, it's not something that um, is acceptable or you know if you're going about it according to what I believe to be in the bible um um 
but I think also it's quite difficult to grapple with temptation when you're not you don't actually have like a you're not men at, <laughs> necessarily knocking down your door so, I, I, <laughs> so the, all that stuff in the audience oh you're fighting with temptation you're back, battling with Idris Elba lookalikes or something that's not necessarily because <laughs> even in the church my friends in the church are sitting down having similar conversations about being in church and um not necessarily finding partners or sometimes the men that are there are not the ones they want so you do have situations where people, it comes again with the issue of choice the ones that you're interested in might not be interested in you and vice versa then there's the issue of the fact that you've got to a certain place in your life where you're looking for someone to have those same minds might that mind that mindset could be education it could be down to how you guys get on maybe you're someone who wants to see the world and so you need you sometimes it's about worldview sometimes it's about politics all kinds of different things um it's difficult to kind of understand what makes people click and then what makes other people but well, they can't stand each other so it's um it's more complex mm. so the thing is i mean it sounds like from what you're saying about being single um yeah. you are or have and still are operating in a space in terms of your faith where there is an expectation that you are married and you have children yeah and here you are in your 50s yeah i'm married and you're not a parent yeah. um you know and i think that you know how how have you managed that because you know i suppose in my case you know singlehood within my background and upbringing wasn't necessarily seen as a bad thing it depends who you spoke to yeah. you know as grown women um after they studied and traveled and everything else and i think yeah. that's great and they're happy and that worked for them um and but i was always clear i just always knew love kids ran saturday schools you know favorite auntie the cool yeah. auntie of my canadian nephews called me um so again this thing if you don't want children that means that you don't have nurturing instincts and it's like well no actually everyone's you know my mom has always said that she's you know that's one thing she would love to see me as a mother yeah um you know and you have to sort of manage that and i yeah. and i appreciate that and though that's something that's been quite consistent that i i you know that's something i didn't feel that i would be this lifetime Yep. you know a, a parent and I, yeah. I think there's a lot of I mean when we go on the conversation I think there's a variety of reasons for that it's not that oh I did not want to be a mother yeah. I think much the same about being single um as opposed to being a long-term relationship at this moment in time and actually being single for longer than I've been in a relationship yeah um I, I you know the whole thing about doing the work on yourself because you know I we come with a lot of baggage and trauma that predates our birth and I think I've watched and seen relationships and why people are together and stay together and not necessarily healthily um because of the generational expectations you know mm -hmm. from our parents and grandparents and so on and you know just being really really clear that I if I'm entering anything I want to be as clear as possible and I don't want to be bringing any stuff mm -hmm. of mine you know obviously you can't completely clean the state but I just have this that felt important to me from really young. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You don't always get it right, but I just think that there's things that are played out and amplified in relationships. And I just think 
and, and I've seen people who don't, it's always the other person. <laughs> they don't look at what their part is in it. And I just knew I just needed to understand who I was first, yeah. independently of my parents, independently of, of the legacies yeah. that were unwanted, you know, and those sort of things take time. And some of it, yes, you can work through in relationships, but you need to have someone else who's on that wavelength and that's what's mm -hmm. been the challenge yeah someone who's doing the work themselves on themselves yeah. as well because it's a again that's a choice thing yeah I don't know how do you feel about that it's, it's enough work carrying yourself alone and then having to drag someone else with you and try and be responsible for their mental uh, their own mental space or the inability to see the need for them to do work on themselves and in the past in past relationships I've had where I kind of noticed where that was a scenario where a person found it was not ready to kind of do the work on themselves or to see where there were areas where they could work on. Um, I just tried my best to get out of it as fast as I could because I just didn't, couldn't see, didn't want to be someone trying to, you know, crank someone up to be better, to do this, to go get help, to go, you know, it's something that when I know I, I need help, go and get from I think as an adult, I'll go and get counseling, not necessarily expecting my partner to have to encourage me to do that. And I think for me, I find a person who's, who loves himself enough to get help has been a very attractive quality. Someone who can look mm. back and say, that's a, it's a bit like giving yourself feedback and appraisal, like if you're at work and someone giving you, you appraise yourself regularly. So how could I have done that better? That whole introspection thing. And a person who lacks that is a very difficult, that's going to be make for a very difficult relationship. And also, as we grow up, we see the baggage of the people that surround us. We see the baggage of our, uh, you know, family members, aunts and uncles and other stuff. And you see it growing up and you make yourself make inner vows and say, oh, that's never going to happen to me. Or I can't let anyone do that to me. Or what can I do to make sure that I don't get with anyone like this with these kind of tendencies? So and at our age, you've had we had quite a lot of time to see some of the things that have led to successes and some of the things that have led to failures in people's relationship. And yes, it does make one overly cautious, maybe sometimes too cautious. Mm. Thinking, uh, I know I'm, I'm, sometimes we can be guilty of that. I know I am. Sometimes you overthink a thing and too, sometimes you overthink it out of existence. And you, you need, sometimes you need to give people chances, but you know, there's something as, as foolish as we say in my country, foolish, <laughs> foolish risks. And, <laughs> you know, and um, normal risk, and I try my best to try and take the, the more normal ones and ones that I can see that are like, you know, very, very clearly, you know, dangerous place to go. But um, also in my case, um, I won't say that I've got dual nationality per se, but I was born here and then I went to Nigeria. So you've got two different cultures, two different ways of seeing things. At 10 years old, I went to live in Ni Nigeria. Um, so. So a lot of times you see you see th things through two prisms. You've got the Nigerian way of seeing it, which is the way that my parents and wider family see things. And you've got sometimes the English way of seeing things, which is how I saw it before I left it at the age of 10. And sometimes those things war against each other. And um, I remember dating a guy once and he was Nigerian and he said, oh, you know, can you speak the language? And I... I thought to myself whether that was going to be a consideration or an issue with him, and it, it just seemed to be the case. Um, one thing that I always strive to be is on, on 
to be myself without apology and not try and make myself into, to, into something else because I want you to, to date me because that's not being authentic. And um, within, within a cultural framework, you've got expectations on you to live up to those, to live up to those things. And then you've got mm-hmm. two cultures pulling at you. So when I was in Nigeria, I wasn't Nigerian enough because I didn't speak the language and the, the proper intonation, I had to learn it. When you're here, exactly British either. So you've got those two things that you're dealing with and then you're now adding that into the dating scenario. So that's mm. another layer to think about as well. And, and do you want a Christian partner? Yes, I do. Right, so that's another layer. <laughs> yeah, that's another layer. <laughs> again, you know, and, and again, finding someone who, you find someone and they want children. How's that well, going to be navigated, for example? Especially if you happen to come from that culture, it's a very, it's another layer. And also, I remember dating someone and that came up. So it was a bit, it was like, it actually came up, I think on the first day when he introduced me to the family, the mom just kind of brought it up. So, that, so it's like, okay, I, I was in my forties then. So it's like, okay, um, what about the children element? So you, you are dealing in a, a culture where the success of that marriage may hinge on that particular thing. And if that's not something that you guys discussed before and that guy's prepared to have your back, that marriage may not last, depending on the amount of family pressure put on him to be able to say, well, your wife doesn't have kids. And then maybe, unless you guys can come to an understanding about, about adoption or something, if, and that, that may not be what he wants. And then obviously you, you, a lot of people in that society would think, well, what are you doing when you can just get someone younger? I mean, you know, you, men, um, Men just get more distinguished, don't they? Uh, women get older. So you have that kind of a mindset. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a whole different narrative. We know yeah. that everything from, you know, um, someone playing the field, male, um, someone being loose or slack, woman. You know, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. much more weaponized and critical and yeah. harsh. Um, and you know, and I think it's funny what you said, but we're looking at the multi-layered of the narratives around you yeah. <laughs> that you have to negotiate to make sure that you are on track with yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, in my case, it's interesting because I think that some of it is around. I remember when I was, you know, at school, secondary school, and I was very sporty. You know, I have male friends. I was a bit of a tomboy, but you know, um, I like to dress up and everything else. And I perfected the art of friendships. Do you mean? Yeah. So I always sort of found a way to um, neuter, for want of a better word, you know, dilute any sexual interest from boys. Do you mm-hmm. see what I mean? Yeah. Um, because I that's no way I wanted to go, really. Do you mean? Um, and I think that from my point of view, because I, you know, I think it's quite important to put in this context, because I think a lot of the time in terms of the work on self, you know, and how you're positioned rather than you being able to position yourself. And as someone who from junior school, I mean, from when I was 10, 11, I was five, seven. Oh. Do you mean? I was a woman at 10, you know, yeah. I already had to think about, you know, sanitary towels. I already had to think about, um, you know, wearing bras from 10, you know, I was five foot seven. I grew another inch and I went to secondary school. So when I went into secondary school, I looked like a woman. Yeah. You know, I had to carry my birth certificate on the on the bus because I didn't believe I was the age I was and I got a deep voice. So I was, when I went out, you know, with my older sisters, 
you know, I had boy, men hitting on me all the time. And we're talking about men, not boys, not my age group, but men. And then I had to say to them, I'm 14. And they forget I was at a wedding with my mum and my sisters. Uh, and, you know, my mum was a great seamstress. And she went off to get us a drink. I was with my younger sister. And this man, I'm talking about 20 years older than me, started talking to me. And I just looked at him <laughs> like... Oh, you're so in trouble. <laughs> you know, my mom came, my mom came back and looked at him and just said she's 14. And he scarpered. But already, so what I had to do was talk as a grown-up when I was a kid. I knew how to negotiate and 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 challenge men from a very, very young age. So in a way, what that did, that didn't allow me the space to engage with boys as boys. Yeah. Because boys always, because a lot of them were smaller than me till we got to you know sixth form, then all of a sudden yeah. their boys broke and they and they grew, you know, they were tall, my height. But up until that point, they were, they said, it. you know, they were intimidated by me. So they always came to me in a very different way. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? And so, so I think that I was put on the back foot and had to negotiate differently. Um, so it made me very independent. Yeah. And that also made me feel very powerful. Yeah. And I think, you know, so again, you form that identity so, so young in my case. So then when you're going out with, or dating, you know, I want to to do my degree. I, I was quite competitive with men. So I'm like, who are you? Why are you talking to me? <laughs> you know, when it moved into the romantic realm, yeah. because I was suspicious of it. And that's because I've been hit on from so yeah. young when I should be out just playing and yeah. maybe, you know, maybe having banter with, yeah. with my age. On me is that I'm very vigilant. Uh, yeah. I was, very, you know, hypervigilant from a young woman. And so, but also I think what happened is that I developed a narrative and a confidence around being around men and, and not feeling intimidated and taking them on or challenging them. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I mean? And that was yeah. sort of supported by my mother, yeah. you know? So I think a lot of the time when, you know, you're being chatted up, I think, you know, from my point of view is if you approach me, you know, I'm, I'm not rude or anything like that, but like I do in life, you ask a question, you have to be open to three answers, yes, no, or maybe. Yeah. And I think also um, the pressures that come from different quarters, even sometimes from some female friends, like, oh, you're too hard, you know, you're too hard on men. I hear, hear certain scenarios and what they're willing to put up with. And I'm like, well, no, sorry, Mm-mm, not for me. Um, and, I, and I think that what, what, my, what, what we Jamaicans say, you're brought bad. And by that, it's like, you know, someone who is, not held to account who is indulged in a way that they carry on bad relationships from one relationship to another mm-hmm. so there's no impetus or onus on them to adjust their behavior because yeah. if you're in a relationship and you're investing time and emotional energy in someone hopefully if it doesn't work out you know and you you appropriately break up I'd hope that you've learned from that and move on yeah. you know and I think sometimes I it was finding you'd be in situations, I'd be in situations or dating someone and then I'd say it like all women or women this. And I'm like, hello, I'm here as an individual. Why yeah. don't you find out who I am first before making yeah. that assumption? Yeah. And then when you draw down a bit more, it's like, um, based on past experiences, but it's like, well, if all women are being categorized in this homogenous group, there's always going to be a problem. Because yeah. it's projection. It's not the reality of who the person is, which means then you've got to be real in the space too. Yeah, you can't then. And I think you know, if you want something surface, and I'm definitely not the person. So I think 
there is a conservatism, I think, in a lot of my age group's quarters, you know, because I'm probably 56, you know, quarters around relationships. I think it always felt at odds because I felt too modern <laughs> in my thinking, you know. Um, you don't necessarily not sure if I would want to live with someone, you know, if I, you know, it's not like I don't want to get married or anything else, but, you know, just sort of just exploring different ways of being and relating, not just this, oh, we go out, we get engaged and we get married, that, that there are other options. Um, so I think that sort of, in a way, can be seen me pricing myself out of the market. And obviously being the age I am now mm. and attracting younger guys who are 35 mm-hmm. less, you know, given that confidence <laughs> and everything else. But it's like, you know, cultural reference is different. Um, and I, I personally don't want to deal, I'm not Joan Collins, I can't deal with that, that type of a, a, a age gap. It's not for me. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I have a young energy. I have a, you know, I'm not static. I'm evolving and growing. So yeah. my life is expanding. It's not, it's not contracting, it's expanding. That's so cool. that's the tricky bit. Who's going to have that energy and outlook and adventurous nature in my age group and generation? So yeah I'm not saying they don't exist I certainly wouldn't say that you know what I mean but I think it does the pool as it as it were has to become global because it's not just going to be based on finding someone here but I'm curious about I mean I know you've mentioned that you've got a younger sister yeah I have 30 years I mean I've got a sister who's been married around that she's older than me but she's been married around that sort of period of time I mean do you does that weigh on your mind in any way because there's something you know because because I get the impression you do want to get married you know you you would like to be with someone so does that then how does that play out in terms of your discussions and see an example that it works you know your sister's made that choice and and been married for 20 plus years I mean when they you know when they met when they were dating it makes me feel old now and obviously I've got (laughs) lovely, lovely nephews and everything um yeah, I mean, there's there's works because there's a give and take and an understanding of each other and where they their individual spaces and where they come from. Um, yeah, I mean, when 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 I was younger, I mean, there were some kind of comparisons made in the family. But you know, you're the eldest and your younger sisters, you know, getting married and what's wrong with you kind of stuff. There was that. There was a lot of pressure on me at the time, being the oldest oldest, and sometimes in that culture, you're you're meant to have, um, you know, married first. Um, so yeah, for the first few years, it was it was not it was a bit hard. Not hard on me that I was uh, I wasn't happy. For of course I was. It was just more or less negotiating the whole family thing and also being seen as a disappointment. You know, you're the eldest in the family, the oldest child, and um, you're not married yet. And uh, and sometimes that is held up as a, obviously held up as a standard or as an attainment. No matter what you've achieved or what you've done, I know. You've done that, you've done this, you've done that, you've done this, but you're still not married. So I know it's not said as much as before, but it's there. Um, how, how do you get over that? You you create a life for yourself and you learn to be happy with yourself, uh, have a strong, strong relationship with, with God. I draw a lot of comfort in, in my faith in that. I go to church regularly. I have uh try and have a, a good social network and have other things and do lots of things and travel and and also spend a lot of time writing as well and, and traveling before COVID, you know. So you you try to um you try to you you look at yourself and realize that you you define yourself using another parameter and um 
don't let it get down to you. I mean, I, I'm just saying that if it was easy, like it wasn't that easy, but you work at it until you you come up with some kind of a happy happy medium because you've got no choice. So what can you do? You can't. I want to word don't settle because that means me I'm being picky, so mm. I've been accused of. But you know yourself, and you know that you can't be in something just because people are saying that you're this age or that age. And and I, it's not even fair to the person for you to say, oh, I just manage him, or we just do this, or we just do that, or it's just have a kid, you know. And those were the kind of things that people were suggesting when I was I was younger. But when you get older, and that may, may not necessarily be a consideration, then you actually, I I found that I become more real with myself as to what I can take or not take, or or what I want in my life in that area. Um, you know, so yeah, you you uh, I've learned to be happy for for those who are having fantastic marriages and it's working for, and I still have that faith that you know that um I will you know meet that person and someday soon you know <laughs> trust mm. God for that for that faith. But you you don't I don't don't let that rule your life. Meanwhile, you just take each day and you just get on with it, you know. Mm. You're determined to be happy no, no matter what because there's some people that would be married for 40 years and have a horrible marriage and there might be some that would just have it for or you know a shorter period but it's it it's lasting it makes sense it's something that isn't traumatic you know so mm. so we 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 we, at, we make the we, we at that point when we make make those choices i know in some other co some other economies down to social economic factors Women don't have some of the choices mm. that me and you have, where your mm. family is saying that you have to get married because we need you need the money, or you don't have you can't get yourself a job or something like that, or you know. But the kind of choices I'm making here, if I was back in Nigeria, I know things are changing in Nigeria, but if you're talking about the the 90s, it would have just been difficult because it just been been so much stress and trauma. And it's funny, because again, I think there's this thing about singlehood equating uh, or, or, you know, a euphemism for not interested in, in my case, men, or um, just can't um, sustain a relationship. Or, you know, I mean, I remember when I was younger, um, you know, and I was doing my degree and, and I was at a party and this guy was chatting me up and I, I just politely, you know, declined. I, I wasn't interested in him and I was talking to this other guy you know who I knew uh, for a good while and um and then he went out and got a bit drunk and came back and he just proceeded to tell me call me a lesbian mm. what's wrong with you you're acting like you don't need a man and I you know and I was what was I 20 I think and I just looked at him I said well thank you for just validating exactly why I don't want to go out with you yeah. <laughs> you know um I mean obviously you know that's the one situation but I've been under situations where um just in terms of making that choice that's it well for me to manage it I have to call you a lesbian and I said that I have a, you know and that's a problem why um but the reality is the amount of my friends who I have advised around relationships I mean I need to write books on this who have helped get married you know get them to think about how they're getting in their own way you know um I even set up a dating type of focus thing um I, you know for, for my single you know single women I knew but the focus was on us it wasn't about men you know mm -hmm. in that situation it's about okay what do we want how mm -hmm. how are we getting in our own way because you do 
friends and women I know, they're getting married or getting into longer term relationships with someone who is much more of a connection and a fit for them. In yeah. their 40s and 50s. I went, yeah. you know, I, I, I met up with a friend recently who got married. I went to her wedding, she reminded me, nearly five years ago, and she was 57. Wow. You know, 56, 57, getting married after a period of, of dating and, and being single for a long time. So yeah. I just think the narrative and the landscape and our emotional anchors and reference points have changed. Yeah. I think what well, the issue is, like, you know, but we're not, it's not, openly talked about and I think it's really important for the next generation of uh women to black women to see that to know that they actually have options yeah. you know I, I I've you know there's some younger women who I used to mentor and, and they went to their 30s and they didn't date because they weren't finding anyone they yeah. felt who they could connect with and some were you know uh, were Christians some weren't and yeah. um you know like me because I'm spiritual as opposed to a Christian and I think you know, it is about the necessary, you know, we need to have these, it's necessary to have these conversations so people aren't sitting with this, acting like something's wrong with themselves or putting all their energies into work at the expense of their own personal self-development. Mm, you know, my my issue is that I sometimes, I, I have to remind myself, oh, actually, you know, you should be open to a relationship because I enjoy my life so much. But, you know, and it isn't just fitting it for the sake of it, but I, I'm so grateful that I can wake up and choose what I do. And also I, I know how to make myself happy. I think that's the thing. Yeah. I don't want a relationship to make me happy, but I remember being told that, well, if you if you can be this self-sufficient um, and independent, I'm interdependent. I've moved from being independent to interdependent. Cause I think it's really difficult to be independent and have a relationship. Um, but it's like, well, because a guy won't know how we will be of value to you um because he needs to be needed and this is what men and women are saying to me and I'm like really um you know whereas I for me it's around being around someone who I like I respect um I enjoy as well as love because we know love is not enough because and being in love is different than loving someone Yeah. yeah um and but I have to like you yeah do you know what I mean you know and it's not just about being physically attractive I have to just like you in essence so when we get older and in my case we're only I'm, I'm already half over half a century so <laughs> I have to like you if I'm going to spend a significant period of time yeah. in my life as I age with you you yeah. know um and I, I but I like I said I just think it's about having those conversations and for you to be clear about what singlehood means for you yeah. because I also know people who've been to get single for so long but actually not dated at all and maybe not engaged with men at all so now it'd be really difficult for them yeah. do you see what I mean so yeah. so there's I think like you said is there a, there's a continuum and yeah. all of them have their place yeah um and you know 50 now and 60 now is nowhere near the same like our parents and our grandparents generation it is so different a lot of us are finding ourselves in our 50s we're coming alive and knowing everything the penny is dropping in our 50s yeah do you know what I mean this is this is the exciting time and even in 60s you know finding what your creative center is what your soul center is you know so I think that it's never too late really and I think um that's an important thing to to put out there but I, I do want to sort of when you mentioned about trauma 
you know about because you're in the you know you're visible you write you know you you you're you do you know live events you're a romance writer amongst other things you said you recently moved into to writing christian fiction so yeah. um but you know not everyone feels that you should be parading your singledom <laughs> in the world it seems you know as a as a, a black nigerian woman believe that you know at this particular point in time you're meant to be sitting down with a shroud around your face in mourning um, at the shame of being single in your, in your 50s. And I admit, for a long time, I didn't tell people how old I was. So I know I could kind of get away with people not knowing. Um, mm -hmm. No. Bless, I got, probably got it from my, my parents who look, still look, you know, look quite, look quite young. Um, mm. So you, for people not to know that I was in my 50s and I felt, okay, you know, I thought it was this kind of in, invisible cloak of shame that I was carrying around. And sometimes, sometimes in 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 uh, cultural, in a cultural space, mm. not just Nigeria, just in in several cultural spaces, not just people who are black, it's it's just a different cultures where that has always seemed to be the norm. And you mm. deviate from the norm, then you will be seen as being different. And then there's this old stereotype about this, you know, no, I, we grew up listening to this work called Spinster. And oh, we've done really back. well. We've gone through, got to this point without using that word. Oh. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a terrible word and it conjures up mm. images of Mrs. Miss, Miss Havisham and, you know, David Copperfield or just a little old lady with a cat. And one of the, one of the worst things, there's, a, there's an abuse that goes around, you know, when people want to abuse people in, in Nigeria, they just, the men just mm. get them and say something like, you will never marry. And once, once I said to you, usually the girl veers back like in absolute horror and says, no, like you're cussing them out. So that is, is like one of the worst things that can ever be seen to, mm. to happen when people, so she maybe wanted to, to you know, chirp her or something. And she said, she's not interested. She's walking off on the wind and he says, where you're doing, you never marry, go and get a cat. And then obviously she, she <laughs> you know, it's, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of that going on. Mm. Right? This, the social space a lot about men telling women that if they don't do this they're going to have to get a car or that kind of stuff and these the men are seen to be as being distinguished or looking looking for you know just haven't found the right person whereas women are deemed to be called to, to be deemed as old maids it's all very sort of out of a page of Jane Austen mm. this, is, this is 2021 the, the issue there is that well whereas our parents got married much more earlier maybe because the men were more ready to put in the work or maybe it was just a different kind of space back in the 50s and 60s where the men had so much responsibility put on them expected on them that they had to kind of step up to it and the women were depended a lot on them more than we do now so it is a different kind of social space uh, I, I, um my mom like our moms would never have imagined that we'd be single in our in our in our 50s um mm. it's happened and at the same time, you've got to have a meaningful, full life and en enjoy your life and still be happy and not go around looking as if you're in mourning or something. Um, mm. There's some things that at this age, one has done their own quiet mourning. It's a private mourning that one has done away, mm. from, the family, yes. away from anyone. That, that is secret That's that we've done, done that. We have to go and, I had, we have to move from there to go and do the work and emerge from that, emerge from that place of mourning like a kind of you know, like a butterfly coming out from the 
from the cocoon. So we've done that. The fact that, you know, mm -hmm. we sat there and we saw our sisters, went with them to the hospital, uh, saw them blooming in pregnancy, held those babies. That's something that we always that we wanted for ourselves. Mm -hmm. I know I wanted it for myself. And coming to mm -hmm. that quiet realization that that may not be the case. Mm -hmm. And that's that not a one day morning thing. That's something you do you do behind closed doors and you sit down and you talk talk to yourself but you might even have to go and get counseling for it mm. and it's, there's never but but people will see you outside oh she's enjoying herself so much she's going off on a holiday she's not but we, we like too many women too many black women we do that morning away from outsides because or, or we need to mourn yeah because you, you're thinking that I or we need to own that allow ourselves to mourn because then yeah and it's it's not just that it's that you know i, I wanted to meet a soulmate or someone who got me earlier on in life than this. Mm. But you could have, you know, mm. gone to Peru together, climbed mountains together, done that together when we were young. You know? Um, mm. So we've already done that morning. Um, but when people are saying things like, oh, you look as mm. if you don't need a man. So what do they want you to do? Go around, look, you know, looking mournful? No. Well, and especially we've been taught to look to be, you know, you know, you put on that strong and you go out and you smash it. But nobody knows what people come back home to or how they they cope with it but you've got we try our best to find a coping mechanism to get on with life and to make sure that we we are impacting the lives that we have and making it work with what with what we have instead of saying mm. instead of going around and just giving up so for, for you to it's okay you're not married so what, what do you do from then you know lock yourself up no you go out there and you smash it in other areas of life and you 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 you're not you're not a wife yet you're an auntie you are in some cases people who've adopted you a mum uh you're a sister you're a daughter you're a niece you you you're a cousin uh you know so it's mm. it's, it's 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 who's given the narrative under which prism which what's the definition absolutely. are you seeing yourself? absolutely and the thing is for me this thing that that you know like you said and like i said that it's my choice and that does not stop me supporting encouraging my my black women in my life not to be happy or pursue that if that's what they want you know in a particular way you know and and, and to hold out for hope the interesting thing about covid you know um it's thrown up a lot of things for people you know especially in terms of being single being in relationship you know some relationships have been strengthened through you know the pandemic and the lockdowns others haven't but i suppose in a way what it's done is clarified what you want mm -hmm. or need in life you know yeah. um and what no longer serves you and yeah. i think for me what's interesting is that i always saw myself as someone who'd be in a partnership but not necessarily be married and very very recently i literally just woke up and thought you know what i i i can see myself married now mm -hmm. Um, but I think what, what's been processed for me is the fact that I'd want a husband. I'd mm. want a husband. I'm sorry, let me clarify. You know, yeah. what we want for me is a man who wants to be a husband. Yeah. Because a lot of the time men, you know, say, oh, you know, they, they want a wife. Um, and what that can mean is the focus is on what's the, what that woman needs to be, you know, yeah. and, and, and uh, look like, you know, do whatever maybe linked to that is about being a mother and being you know a great mother to their children and I think there is a lot you know wife is loaded you know yeah. um and in my mind you know because things are genderized whether we like it or not but in my mind for me it's like you know what I I I'd like to meet someone who has thought about being a husband and wants yeah. to be a husband 
to yeah. someone, you know, mm-hmm. and rather than, um, so when they're coming, they've come, they, they, they have, they come in, they thought about it, formed, they're formed, there's a thoughtfulness to it, and actually yeah. then they're taking a different perspective rather than just the default, I want a wife position, yeah. Yeah. Um, and therefore I think, and when I sort of was exploring it with some friends saying, you know, male and female, saying, you know, this is well, because one, they were like, oh my gosh, you want to get married, whoop, okay, um, and I said, but this is what feels right for me, yeah. and the sort of person I am, um, and the sort of woman I am, and the traits of me that are feminine, the traits of me that are masculine, that I think that's what would work for me because, and for everyone who knows me and who I was speaking to, they said, it actually, that makes so much sense, you know, because I know what I can bring to a relationship, mm-hmm. you know, especially I should hope so after, you know, half a century on this planet. Yeah. That, that all of a sudden now, you know, that's make, put, making me move in the world differently because you don't just think these things, you inhabit it, you know, and then you move and your whole energy and what you pick up on and look at or are drawn to is very, very different, you know? So, yeah, so I I think, again, you know, your singlehood is not a static status. It's not a static position. It flows, and like you say, there's hopefully growth in that. Like, and I think you were so right, Ola, you know, I so agree with you about the fact that we're not behind clothes, you know, we are living lives, we're going through yeah. heartache and mourning and recovery, yeah. um, which helps you to grow. And I think that's another thing as well, that we need permission, that it's okay to to feel loss, you know, um, that you may have wanted, the amount of people I know who wanted children and, and haven't, because they haven't met the right partner, yeah. and they've yeah. met the right partner now, but children's really off the table because of the age side, you know, and they don't really want, or feel they've got the energy for that now. So you, you mourn that. That's been mourned. There's no yeah. question about it. And then they have the relationship. And so you you define that mutually to be what you want it to be. So, yeah, I think that it, it is a position of hope because yeah. hopefully within singlehood, you are open to possibilities, opportunities, some of which you co-create. Because I feel for me, a relationship is co-created. You know, it's not pre-packaged. It's not performative. It's something that you you bring out the best in each other. Yeah. You know, and 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 I I think that's a great thing to look forward to. Absolutely. I'm a person that you know wakes up every day in hope hope of you know a new project, a new book, a new idea for a book, a new collaborative partner, a new network partner, a new friend. Um, try and be one's friendly, your friendly self. You, know, you go out, you meet people, and you just go out with the idea of just making friends and being being the kind of person you want other people to be to you. And if it will happen, it will happen. But I don't wake up mm. in the morning and say, today I'm going to, my today my print shall come kind of stuff. And just kind of go out mm. and live life, living it large, you know, just smile up. <laughs> I remember so, somebody told me once, you know, stop, stop, you know, uh, why are you frowning? And I said, this is my resting face. Uh, you don't even know, <laughs> you don't even know that you're doing it. You've got so many things on your, on your mind. You actually, you know, not really like that. But, you know, people say, oh, smile. You know? Sometimes you're just worn down by the by the the cares of this world. If I was to talk to talk to myself or give any anyone advice, it'd be more or less what you've just said. As as mm. a young person, don't take life too seriously. Um, there's no prescriptive age to get married. If you're young and it happens, better. I, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't say now. I wouldn't. The kind of advice I was given when I was growing up: get all your get all your docs in a row, get all your degrees. That's not for everybody. It works for some. It doesn't work for, for others. So sometimes. 
some people will meet people when they're growing and they will get through it and they grow together and they'll get their get their degrees while there's and then there's some other people that's when they have all their qualifications and everything ready but um no, just meet, meet someone who, who is prepared to grow, to, to, to do the work to grow and to interrogate themselves and to say, you know, can I do better? Who's always striving to do better and not somebody who, you know, blames themselves, blames the society, blames whatever for, for where they are in life. Just, there's always, always, there's always going to be excuses and, you know, um, yeah, you just, just go for it and just make the best out of life and, and determine to be happy. Well, I think one thing that COVID has taught me about the importance, we're, 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 we come from a, a, a race of people who are policed within an inch of our life, we're surveilled within an inch of our life, um, both within our communities and in wider society. So if anything, COVID, you know, and the fact that our lives could hang on someone sneezing in our direction, you know, without wanting to remotely trivialise this, it is showing you how life is precious. And, you know, at the end of it, our heart is around being able to love and love freely yeah. and love openly and not conditionally and be allowed to. I mean, we're already sort of not seen as in all these types of relationships. I mean, starting to see this more, thankfully, with people like Michaela Cole and other British writers who are writing us into being, yeah. you know, um, and, and into relationships, complex or otherwise. So, you know, this is a time of self-discovery and an opportunity to really say, you know what? <laughs> I am putting myself out there in the world as me, um, yeah. whatever it is, singlehood or, or otherwise. So, look, Ola, thank you so much for spending this time having this conversation with me. Well, it's a pleasure. It's been great. And I just want to say um, to everyone, a reminder, the hashtag for the series is Black Love UK. There will be three podcasts on motherhood, fatherhood, and this one, singlehood. And just follow us at, at on Twitter on at Black Love UK um, and also at Words of Colour. And also on Instagram, you can follow us at The Black Love Project and also words of color as well. So let us know what you think, tell us your stories, your situations, the pressures you face or otherwise. Um, go safe, take care.